Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome into another episode of Baseball America's interview series from Phenom to the Farm, where we are talking to former professional baseball players about their journey through amateur baseball and experiences to the minor and major leagues. We've reached World Series time, thanks set between the Rays and Dodgers, and luckily over the course of the 15 or so episodes of this podcast, we have talked to a few players who share their experiences of playing in a postseason and in a World Series. So on today's episode, I've compiled a few clips of past players, past guests on this show, talking about what it's like to play in the postseason. We've got clips from past guests Brandon Geyer, Chad Durbin, Billy Butler, and a preview clip from Russ Ortiz, who's going to be featured on the first episode of November, dropping November 3rd. I would think the, that episode's probably the most important thing happening on November 3rd. Uh, he pitched in the 2002 World Series versus the Angels. If you remember the Rally Monkey or Barry Bonds' Mammoth Home Run in Game 2, it's that one. He's also got a Mammoth Home Run in Game 6. There's a lot of good Barry Bonds YouTube stuff to uh, to go look at from that World Series. But yeah, uh, having Russ on, uh, he was great. He's got a great uh, clip in this upcoming episode about his experience in the World Series. Uh, figured it would be a good episode to to take us through the World Series time. And then back to business as usual in two weeks, a couple great guests lined up after Russ. Uh, also, right now is the best time to be subscribed to BaseballAmerica.com and the BA podcast feed. Great postseason coverage, a lot of college baseball stuff is starting to drop, and some recent draft class rankings. Tons of good stuff over there. Always a good time to be a BaseballAmerica.com subscriber. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, subscribe to From Phenom to the Farm, wherever you get your pods. Episodes drop every other Tuesday. So first up on today's episode is Brand Geyer, former Rays and Indians outfielder. Uh, had him on the pod a couple months ago. Brandon's first playoff experience is, is unique in the sense that his first time actually experiencing the playoffs was in 2011 on that, that famous Evan Longoria walk-off home run to send the Rays to the playoffs. But Brandon actually didn't get in a game. He was not on that postseason roster. So his first actual game experience in a postseason was with those 2016 Indians. Uh, he had come over in a midseason trade, one of those classic 
uh, trade at the trade deadline to bolster a postseason roster. And it, it actually worked out. The The Indians make a playoff run. So Brandon talks about how you how you conquer your emotions when playing in a World Series in that electric environment in Cleveland and in Chicago. It was a great listen. If you enjoy you know, this clip, you haven't yet, go check out Brandon's episode. And here's Brandon. Let's, uh, I want to talk about 2016 because you become, you know, you're, you're part of one of those classic deadline deals of a team just picking up a useful, pay, uh, useful piece trying to get to the World Series. And then mm-hmm. that actually, that actually happens. Um, how do you go about asserting yourself in a clubhouse midseason when you go from a last place team to a team with World Series aspirations? How do you kind of integrate yourself into that, into that clubhouse chemistry? Yeah, going into it, I did not know how to go about that. Obviously, going from a team out of the playoffs to a team right in the pennant race. Um, and, and also, when I got traded, I was in a slump. I was 0 for my last 14 or something not great. So yeah, I was already not in a good uh, headspace because I was struggling um, and not really having great at-bats. So did not see that trade coming, kind of like in 2010. I did not think I was going to get traded, and this happened. And um, I went there, and I know I've said it probably three times already. I changed something in my swing, and something clicked. And, you know, that's kind of a theme. Like, it's almost like it, it just happened for a reason. Um, I got there, worked with the hitting coaches, um, you know, mostly played against lefties and man, something happened in my swing. It just clicked. I found it again, found what I had earlier in that season in 2016 and, and brought it back. And, but still mentally it was a challenge because I had never really played for um, a team in the playoff race. And, you know, the the crowds at Cleveland every day, cause you're in the thick of a playoff race. Um, that was all new to me, to be honest. And um, that was, that was a challenge. I, that's when I really try to um, take my mental game to another level. Cause I knew I had to, cause you know, the stress of a new team, new players get to know them, you know, moving my family from Tampa to Cleveland. Um, so I, I, that's when I really got into meditation, really learn more breathing techniques. I had already been doing that a little, but I took that to another level and man, I, um, for sure, those two things helped me out so much because it was it was it was a challenge at, at at first, for sure. Was there anything from your days at UVA that you were able to use as kind of a callback? Because I, I would imagine in 2007 was the last time you had really been playing in highly competitive games that you really really care about winning. I think one of the things about the minor leagues is it is focused on development, not winning. Um, obviously, you know a few of those Tampa Bay teams you were on not very competitive. Was that was the your tenure at UVA? Was that so far? You know, had that been so long since you played that it didn't really matter? Was that something that you were able to take with you into the playoff race? You know, I never thought about that. Um, at that point, it was probably close to ten years um, since UVA. I, I think there was definitely a little of that in me. Um, fortunately. You know, the minors is a little different, um, but every year with Durham, we were uh, in the playoffs and we won the national championship, AAA. Uh, in 2011, actually, my 
first year with Tampa, got to be a part of, and I think this is what helped me the most, got to be a part of one of the craziest um, games in the history, one of the craziest days in the history of baseball, game 162, like the Red Sox just lost to the Orioles, and 10 minutes later, Longo hits a home run to send us to the playoffs, and I remember I got into that, we were playing the Yankees, um, and at that point, whoever won, us or the Red Sox, were going to the playoffs, and I remember, man, that the uh, Trop, Tropicana field was so packed and crazy. Um, I didn't start that game, and that was the first I really had that uh, atmosphere. And I went in later in the game. I think it was, it was an extra inning game, so I played a good bit. Um, and standing in the outfield and just the noise, the just the playoff feel, I think more than anything, that came over with me um, to Cleveland. And... That being said, it was still also new to me. In 2011, that game 162 I was a part of, but I didn't make the playoff roster. So I didn't actually get to experience the playoffs at the big league level then. So 2016 was actually my first time. And whew, that was, uh, it's just, it takes um, the big league level and the excitement and the atmosphere to the way take it to way above the next level when you get to the playoffs, just the media attention, the crowd noise, literally the whole game, uh, towels waving, each play, each hit, each run counting for so much. Man, I didn't know, but one thing that I said it earlier, breathing, breathing, I had a wristband that said breathe on it. Being, utilizing my breath during that, if, if I didn't have that, I don't know how I would have, you know, calmed down, lowered my heart rate, because, man, there was so much nerves and excitement, and uh, that was my first time really feeling that in the big league level in the playoffs. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how it was. Well, that team, you guys made it to the World Series. Is playing in the World Series, is that something that you just kind of have to breathe through and try to shut out the distractions, or are you trying to soak that all in, you know, taking the moment and the magnitude of it. How? What's the mental approach to going about your business in a World Series? Yeah, um, the breathing again was huge. Um, yeah, I almost wish that I could say it was, I had the young and dumb, but I, that wasn't there anymore. I was well aware of what was going on, and man, it was the atmosphere in Cleveland, but especially at Wrigley Field. You know, I remember before games there, there were people outside. You know, we could go outside the clubhouse there and you could see like people walking outside. Like someone was walking a goat outside and just you see weird things. You're like, dude, and the history behind that game and being able to, you know, it, it came full circle. I was drafted by the Cubs. I played for Joe Madden and then there I am. I get traded to the Indians and I'm playing against the Cubs and Joe Madden in the World Series. So, man, so many things were going through my head. But yeah, breathing was probably the number one thing. Um, really focused. I was visualization was huge for me. Um, before every game in the clubhouse, before I went to bed that night, I watched video on pitchers. Uh, obviously, if I was facing Lester or Chapman or you know Mike Montgomery, uh, other lefties that the Cubs had, I was just visualizing, putting myself in that moment, just because I I knew the magnitude of the event that. If I wasn't going to, if I didn't do that, when I actually got into that at bat or into the outfield, 
the moment would get too big for me. So I wanted to think about it in my head and put myself there so much that when it actually happened, it felt like it had already happened before. And that was probably the number one thing that helped me the most uh, through the World Series. Really interesting clip there from Brandon. I was I was very interested just talking to him about how much he how much effort he put into the the mental side and calming down because you think as a as a random person who hasn't played in a World Series before it has got to be even for the even for big leaguers got to be incredibly nerve wracking to be surrounded by that much you know electricity in the crowd. But um, again, if you haven't listened to Brandon episode, Brandon's episode, uh, go back check that out on the feed. Next up is Chad Durbin. And with Chad Durbin, he was a guy who got up to the big leagues quickly uh, and then, you know, had Tommy John surgery and then, you know, bounced around for a couple of years, was was kind of stuck, spinning his wheels in AAA, wasn't ever sure he'd get back. And then, you know, suddenly he makes some changes and he finds himself uh, on the 08 Phillies, which was a, a powerhouse team, a team that pretty much from the get-go was looking at making a postseason run. So Chad kind of takes us into what a you know what kind of qualities a team needs and that's from management that's from players buying in uh you know he he gives some great credence to to charlie Manuel's ability in this clip but you know he kind of talks about what that 08 phillies team had how he slotted in how he bought in and then kind of what you know what shook out a little bit in in 09 uh when that when that team tried to repeat here is chad durbin i mean that's scary so but it was honest, and at least I knew it. It wasn't me guessing at it. So then the next year in 08, and then again in 09 and 10, like those years. I was about also- to say, we can't skip over 08. We've got, we've got a big thing to talk about in 08. <laughs> so, so 08, we just carried that momentum. I mean, you think about the guys that, that were on that team, and, and Brad Lidge had a perfect year. Um, I, I fit right in in the seventh and eighth inning. J.C. Romero and, and Scott Ayer were the lefties um, in the seventh and eighth inning, um, you know, Ryan Madsen didn't start out the year well at all. Um, they were hoping that he would be the seventh, eighth inning righty, and I ended up filling that role. And when I hit my wall in September, he was just absolutely coming into his own, and the team just, you know, took off. We, I don't think there was ever a game where I felt like the other team was better than us. And I've been in on, on tons of teams, and and I felt like the Tigers were really good. But man, when we played certain teams, it's like, ooh, they're pretty good. But how I felt about our, our, our pen and that group, how the, the players felt about each other, how the starting staff, you know, felt about themselves, how the, the you know, front office and Pat Gillick just breeds that through an entire organization. So when, when we won the division and, and then started in the playoffs, right before all that happened, I remember Charlie Manuel, you know, having a meeting and he said, you know, I don't want anybody to relax. If, if, if ever, if you're worried about arbitration or you're worried about free agency or you're worried about getting paid, I can tell you how to get paid. Let's go win. Let's win this whole thing. And every one of you are going to get paid more than you deserve. And that's fantastic. I hope every one of you get it. And what's funny about that is it's exactly what everybody was thinking for that small window of time that you got to catch your breath between winning a division and the playoffs starting, you start to think about, What's going to happen in the offseason for a second? And he caught us and he kind of re- redefined our thinking. Let's go win. And I don't, I mean, every game in the playoffs, I felt like we were just going to stomp on the other team. Um, you know, CC was pitching for the Brewers and, and we lit him up. Um, it just felt like we were going to outcompete anybody we played against. And, and a lot of the, 
the the pieces that came together like you had a guy like me who's you know, fought and, and scratched and clawed to to get where he was and and owned a role i could have thrown a fit when adam eaton got moved out of that fifth spot they brought joe blanton in but they were going to have me start i was going as good as you would possibly want a starter but charlie Manuel asked me like yeah can you buy into this reliever role because i think we can win a title with you and a couple other guys buying into relievers roles and not worrying about how much you're going to get paid next year if you're a starter. Um, so he understood some of those dynamics. And Jeff Jenkins came in that year from Milwaukee in this great career. And Jason Worth took over the right field spot from him, and he bought into it. He was a cheerleader and a leader in the clubhouse and never once blinked and ended up having a huge double in, in game six, uh, no, game five of, of the World Series. And he ended up, um, you know, scoring a winning run uh, it's just it's amazing the things that go on during a season and the buy-in is what separates um a season like that from kind of losing focus you uh you can get caught up in the business end of it and and we all know it's business but that was what was really cool about that team and 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 the staff and i mean the media the fans the fans needed <laughs> they needed a win it had been a long time it had been since mike schmidt was out there in 93 they lost to the blue jays um, on, on Joe Carter's walk-off. So the, we won it. We, you know, the, the playoffs were amazing. We, we ended up winning it um, in game five of, of the World Series at home. We had a two-day break between the, the sixth or seventh inning and, um, and the finishing of the game. Everybody that came in to- Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Town, uh, to see the games had to go leave because <laughs> their stay was done and um, so it was, it was very unique. Uh, the parade was on Halloween. There were 2 million people out there and dressed up as Spider-Man, Incredible Hulk, and everything else. Um, absolutely some of the best moments, um, you know, of my playing career. And it was, it was almost so much that the black box kicked in a little bit. Like, I can't – I have to watch videos or hear other guys talk. We're 10, 12 years removed from it now, and – when I hear guys talk and, or it's usually the media or the coaches, cause the players were all kind of the same. Like oh, I barely remember that. Cause I was just focused on the moment. Um, you watch all that stuff and, you know, standing on top of a flatbed and 
you know, the, the sound of the crowd. Yeah, that was just really cool. And then the same team almost, you know, to a man kind of came back for the 09 season. And I thought we were even better in 09. Um, you know, we, we, we went out and play. I, I threw, I threw pretty well, not as well, but according to Charlie Manuel, he thought I threw even better, um, which is weird. He said, I thought you were stronger come, you know, the middle of the season. I thought you trained right. I thought you did the things you needed to do. And I was one that he trusted more in the playoffs. I ended up having a great um, NLCS and NLDS and then um, ran into a couple balls that just landed in open space in, uh, in the World Series. But I was trusted. And in 09, I soaked in everything so much more because I'd been there. And that's why you see all these guys, you know, you watch enough baseball, you're like, why is this reliever on this World Series team? He's not as good as these two or three guys, well, he's been in seven World Series, or he's been in six postseasons. He's just not going to get rattled, and that was the case. He's just It's just another pitch and another game. It just happens to be on this huge stage. Um, and losing to the Yankees in, in 09, um, it hurt, but it would have hurt a whole lot more had we not won it in 08. And it was like, the you know, I think a lot of people talk about this um, in their playing career. You always think you're going to get back. And I remember thinking, you know, well, we'll be back next year. We'll win it. You know, we'll pick up somebody like Roy Halladay, in which they did, and uh, and we'll go win it. And 2010 was, I thought we were even better than we were the previous years. And we went out and, um, you know, some guys started to wear down, some injuries started to happen, but they were still replenishing um, the ranks. Uh, we, we went out and we ended up losing to the San Francisco Giants that year, and they were red hot. I mean, Linscombe and Bumgarner, all those guys, they just – they came out and just outplayed us. And you had to tip your hat. You know, we lost to the eventual winner again. Okay, so next up is Billy Butler. And Billy Butler had to play on a ton of bad Royals teams for almost his entire career. Uh, he's just like Chad Durbin. He got up early with the Royals, but, but he stuck around. Uh, you know, Billy was, you know, a consummate hitter. We talked about that on his episode, you know, talking about how a hitter like Billy goes about his business and stuff. But, you know, Billy was putting up numbers for teams that didn't win. And then suddenly in 2014, after this influx of young talent uh, that, that was, was very well documented by the folks here at Baseball America, the, the blue wave of Royals talent coming in, they make the run at the 2014 World Series. So uh, Billy and I talked a little bit about what that meant to him after, you know, dealing with so many years of losing to suddenly have a winner and, and you know play in a World Series in the city of Kansas City, the city that you know he had he had put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into, but uh, hadn't really won yet. Here's Billy Butler. At what point did 2014 feel like it was going to be different in terms of team performance? Because there was there was a pretty a famous Baseball America cover with the, all the Royals' top prospects when it was Hosmer and Mustakas and those guys coming up. Did did you you know did you think in, in the spring training of 2014 that this was the year? Um, it started in 2013, um, and they uh, and, and because we ended the season, we were still we were like ten games, we had 86 and 76 and missed the playoffs, but we went on a run there late, and then we started off actual 2014 kind of slow, and then and then you know we just kind of took off in August. And we, I think we, we had, we won like 12, 15 games in a row and we were, we were rolling. And that's whenever like we had the confidence, we were one of those teams that, you know, once it got to the seventh inning, if we had a sixth inning, we had the lead, it was over because we had the best bullpen in baseball. 
when you get to the postseason for the first time and you're you're experiencing that you're you're seeing the city of Kansas City because normally it was pretty much shut down in in October it was it was chief season at that point what did that that mean to you as someone who was there for the very lean years I mean I was so if you look at the team if you look at the team I uh I, I was the longest tenured guy on that 2014 team that made it there I was the earliest draft pick I was you know guy that had been in the organization for the longest and it was uh you know it was just like felt like it would never happen I felt like you know to to the certain to this day I felt like my my prime years my, my best my best years got wasted on a bad team I know that wasn't what they intended they were trying to put a winning team out there and it just took time and it just happened later and uh yeah I mean to see it come from man I was on so many 90 loss teams so many 90 plus loss teams and then to see it turn around and you know when when the uh, get the wild card when the when the uh you know that wild card game was incredible and then you know just sweeping all the way setting a record for most wins in a row to start off the playoffs i mean it was just it was just it was an unreal situation all right, going to finish up with former Giants, Braves, and D-backs right-hander Russ Ortiz. Uh, as promised earlier, Russ is going to be the next episode, November 3rd. Uh, full interview, Russ was great, gave me a ton of time. Uh, Russ was fortunate enough to pitch in the postseason a few times, both with the Giants and the, the Braves. Uh, but we, we focused on the 2002 World Series because Russ was a mainstay of the Giants rotation at that point. Still a young guy, but was given the ball in game two and, you know, under his own admission, did not uh, did not throw well. So we kind of, you know, I asked him about what what is that process like of you get, you know, you get shelled in a World Series game and then suddenly you have to, to find the mentality or find the fixes before that, that game six start in which Russ threw, you know, threw very well, didn't work out for the Giants in the end of things, but uh, was was very interesting kind of diving into what is that, you know, that process like between the game two start and the game six start. Uh, again, if you, you know, enjoyed this clip from Russ, a lot more coming from him in two weeks. Here's Russ Ortiz. One of the things I all I, I will watch this on YouTube at least once a month is his home run in the O2 World Series, which is my way of let's transition to the O2 uh, World Series, Giants versus Angels. Is there anything easier about pitching in the postseason? Than in a dog days game in August, or is every facet of postseason baseball and World Series baseball more difficult? Um, I I mean, anytime you know I was able to go to the playoffs, like it it was, it was just like an extra shot of adrenaline. I mean, you know, you work the whole year, you know, you know that you're you're more tired physically and mentally than you were the beginning of the season halfway through. But uh, um, and for me, it was like a extra shot of adrenaline that, you know, ha- however you felt is just, you've, you're, I felt like brand new again. And um, so that's a, that was a cool feeling to have. And, um, you know, and depending on who you are, I mean, you know, if you're an everyday player or a reliever that has a ton of, appearances and stuff like that i mean sometimes you just can't help but just feel worn out still uh even though it's a playoffs but uh but yeah all through the playoffs it's just the it's the excitement i mean you realize that you're the only teams left and then each round you get to there's fewer teams left and 
And then once you get to the World Series, uh, I remember thinking vividly, like, this is crazy. Like, there's, there's, there's only two teams left, and it's us and the Angels. Uh, and so everybody's watching us right now, you know, that watches baseball. They're only watching two teams, and at the end of this thing, one's going to be holding up a trophy. And so, um, so that right there, just thinking that, I was just like, whatever thought, you know, any thought of being tired or worn down, whatever, just really goes away because um, it's just a whole new level of of excitement, of adrenaline, and, and all that stuff. And uh, but the one thing that we we did have a lot of guys that have have had world series experience is, you know, they talked about, you know, you're going to want to think you have to do extra and, you know, you're going to try to play above, uh, your, where you're capable and all that stuff. We had so many guys in the team that just said, just do your thing. Just keep doing what you've been doing and we'll be fine. And that's what we did, you know? And, uh, you know, as you know, (laughs) we, we and a lot of people know that um, we were, you know, up three two in the series and and you know almost had it won and and. Uh, um, well, I want to talk about that game six because you had the ball in that game six up three two. Uh, you're facing the Angels. You're facing your former high school teammate Brad Fulmer. Facing Scott Spezia's red hair and the rally monkey. Your <laughs> first start in game two doesn't go isn't ideal. What is you could the, say it, it was brutal. It wasn't wasn't great, Russ. It wasn't great. Wasn't your best. Yeah. What is what though is the mental approach, the process between that night and your game six start? Because last time out, things don't go well. You're facing the same team. You've got a World Series on the line. Can you walk me through those few days and how you got ready mentally planning for that game six? How things were going to be different? Because for you, they were. Yeah. Uh... So after that game, you know, uh, I wasn't happy at all. Um, and I felt like I really let down the team. And um, so that next day I watched video and said, I want to see what what went down. Well, basically it was just missing spots. I missed spots. Um, and I got crushed. Um, the only good thing was that the other starter – got crushed too. Um, so I think, I think it was like seven to seven after two innings, I think, or something like that. Um, and I, I, I got a no decision, no decision out of that, you know, but, uh, but yeah, so I looked at video, you know, like I was telling you earlier, it's just, you know, I'm a big video guy. And so, um, I was like, you know what? I was just missing spots. Um, I, you know, I know that there was times where I was trying to be too perfect and stuff like that. And so after watching the video, I was like, there was nothing wrong with this pitch selection. There was nothing wrong with my, uh, all my goals and, and all that stuff. It was just, I just missed spots. So from that point on, you know, I didn't really even need to study much about the hitters except for the guys I didn't know. Um, but otherwise, I was just like, when I threw my bullpens, I just worked on just location, location, location. And, you know, there was nothing wrong with my mechanics, nothing wrong with pitches, nothing. And uh, so 
those next four days, it was just about, I'm just going to execute every pitch. I'm just going to go in there and just execute everything. And, uh, one of the things I, you know, I, I always did on game day, like I was ready. So once game day came, I was ready. I did all the scouting I needed to physically many. I'm ready. So, you know, a lot of guys on game days, they don't talk to anybody and they, you know, just want you to stay away from, from, from you and all that stuff. And I was like, I don't have anything to think about. I'm ready. You know, I, I'm just waiting to get to the game. So, so that, that game day, my wife and I, there was a car show going on at the Anaheim convention center. And so it's just, let's go to the car show. So I just treated it just like I normally would like, let's get up, eat breakfast just walk around the car show and all that stuff. And when it was time to go to the field, I went to the field. And um, But the only thing on my mind was just executing every pitch. Um, now, some people may say, like, well, why didn't you just do that anyways? Well, that was the goal, but I just didn't do that. And so um, so this this game, there's just no fear, no concern about you know how I would do it was just focusing on every single pitch just executing it and uh and that's that's the kind of tunnel vision um you know that's that's being locked in um that's the that's the kind of feeling that you want every start that's that's pretty much impossible to do that every start but uh but that that gave me an idea of where I could take myself mentally and, uh, and pitching without fear. Cause in game two, there was a little fear of not failing. And, uh, so game six came and I said, I'm not going to worry about any of that stuff. I'm just going to execute every single pitch. And, uh, and I did that, you know, except for my last pitch to my old high school teammate, Brad Fulmer, you know, who got a, base hit and, and then uh, dusty comes to get you and came out and that's that yeah. ends up being all she wrote and that is it for this episode of from phenom to the farm if you enjoyed this one go back check out all the other past episodes the full interviews with the players featured in these clips uh, as i said earlier the next episode with russ ortiz is going to come at you November 3rd. That is two Tuesdays from now if you're listening to this as the World Series dropped. If you are going to be watching the World Series, and I assume you are if you're listening to a Baseball America podcast, make sure you're subscribed to the Baseball America podcast feed. Subscribe to the website. A lot of great World Series content and everything else with amateur and minor league baseball. And until then, we'll catch you next Tuesday. Thanks for listening. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.